uh, as we've been doing the summer of Proverbs, and as you read Proverbs, you see over and over and over again these different themes. Like Solomon always points to the righteous and the unrighteous, or, what, or the, the fool and the wicked. But interesting that he uses this verse, even after all of the topics that we've been reading, and I want to read it, Proverbs 11.30, and it says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now, I think we would all agree with that. He who wins souls is wise. But this is a verse in the Old Testament. There was no souls to win yet. They didn't know about Jesus yet. Well, remember, Solomon writes about wisdom. Yet the wisdom that he has, he may not know exactly what he's writing, but he's writing whoever wins souls is wise. And in Proverbs chapter 8, he reveals who wisdom is. Wisdom is Jesus, though he didn't probably know at the time. In his writing, it's Jesus. But he who wins souls is wise. Well, let me read this out of the Amplified uh, version of the Bible. And it says this, The fruit of the consistently righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise captures and wins souls for God, he gathers them for eternity. Let me read that again. That was a great translation. The fruit of the consistently righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise captures and wins souls. For God, he gathers them for eternity. Think of this. The only thing that we get to take with us on eternity are other souls with us. You don't get to take your car. Some of you might be, thank God. <laughs> you don't get to take some of those things with you. The only thing that you get to take is another soul that has accepted Jesus as their Savior. So Solomon says, whoever wins souls is wise. Now, I would expect to read that in the New Testament. I would expect to read it from the Apostle Paul. But here's somebody that writes this from an Old Testament perspective. You know, several years ago, I had a youth pastor friend. When I was youth pastoring, he invited me to come and speak at... Now, he phrased it as a... Um, in fact, he didn't call it a worship event. They were doing like a music outreach. And he wanted to know if I would come and speak for about 20 minutes. What he didn't tell me was it was a punk rock outreach. Because if he would have told me that it was going to be punk rock, I would have said, no, I don't have their hairstyle. I don't wear their clothes. I don't have the boots. I don't have the chains. So he just mentions this music deal, and they're going to do it as an outreach, and they're going to do it outside, and we'll give you about 20 minutes. And I said, you know, his name was Kevin. Kevin, I'd love to go down to San Diego. I'd love to come. Love to help out. Anything you want to speak on. No, it's just going to be an outreach. You know, maybe use a, a Bible illustration and go ahead and share uh, a little bit. And, and then would you do this? Would you invite people to accept Jesus? Absolutely. So Michelle and I, we go down there. We go down to San Diego and I walk into a punk rock concert. You ever heard punk rock? No, you don't actually hear any lyrics. 
It's screaming and yelling. And I didn't even know if it was Christian or not. I couldn't understand what they're saying. Every kid, there's probably 400 kids. Every kid's got a six-foot mohawk, and it's blue, and chains hanging down, and boots, and there's mosh pits, and people are slamming each other. And the one thing what I told you was supposed to be outside because they were expecting rain, they move it inside. So it was hot and nasty and stinky and sweaty. And then I got nervous that I'm supposed to speak to this group. They're going to take one look at me and think, you know, what kind of hairstyle is that? He doesn't have any colors. He doesn't have any chains. He doesn't have knives on him. He doesn't have anything. So sure enough, this band gets up, and, they're, and I won't even attempt to scream, uh, but they're screaming and yelling, and then they stop, and the guy comes right up, and he says, oh, everybody have a seat just for a few minutes. I have a friend of mine that wants to come up and wants to share uh, with you just a couple stories for about 30 minutes. Well, you can see the kids. 30 minutes. That's like eternity. They wanted to mosh pit. They didn't want to listen to some guy talk, so they all sit down, and they're breathing hard. And so I start sharing. I don't even remember what I shared. And, you know, you can tell sometimes in an audience when to wrap it up a little bit. And it was one of those, I better, like, wrap this thing up. And so I remember I asked them all to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I said, I'm going to ask you the most important question that you'll ever, ever get. And the, most, the reason why you're here tonight is so that you can accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Without anybody looking around, without anybody stabbing anybody, shooting anybody. No, no, just say that. If you want to know Jesus, would you just raise your hand? If you want to know him, last chance, 30 seconds, five, four, four, <laughs> ten, nine. You know, I'm going through this hole. And I look over and catch my eye, and there's this, uh, I'll call him little boy, probably 13. He's got his hand up. And so I, I, I make them all say the prayer. They don't all say it. Uh, but I see this young little guy says that, well, they had this set up to where anybody that accepted him, they had like 30 prayer people ready to pray with him. And it was this one, one kid. And I remember walking off and I went to the back and the concert's like the moment I said, amen, rah, 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 I mean, they were back at the screaming and yelling and I go in the back and I felt like, oh, I felt like such a failure. I was standing in the back. And I don't know how long this concert's going to go. And I remember telling Michelle, I said, I, I think I'm ready to go. Oh, I know. What did she say? No, I'm, I'm ready to go. And uh, she's, are you sure? Yeah. So I found the guy doing it. I said, I think we're going to hit the road. I got about an hour and a half drive. Oh, yeah. Thank you for coming. That was awesome. All right. And, and I remember driving and leaving. I don't know if you've ever felt like this before. It just felt like I, I didn't come through probably for the heart that they had. And I, and I felt felt really bad. Well, I'm almost home, and my phone rings, and it's Kevin, the youth pastor. He said, I just wanted to call and say thank you. The little boy, he's 13, that accepted the Lord, he's had the hardest life. He started naming, I can't even remember, all of the things that he'd been to do. If there was anybody that I would have thought of that would have never accepted Jesus in their life, it would have been him. And he raised his hand. He says, and I wanted to thank you for making the time to come. Well, then I, bet, then I felt worse, right? So I'm driving. I learned the, one of the greatest lessons in my life. You know, the Bible says this. There's more joy in heaven when one. When one accepts him. Then I felt better. And I thought, but they'll probably never ask me. You know, don't ever ask me back to a punk rock, you know, unless the Lord says to do so. 
there's more joy in heaven when one receives the Lord. If he sends you for just the one, you can't feel bad that you didn't present because it was the one. And here's what Solomon says. Whoever, right, whoever wins souls is wise. So the wise man, the wise woman, wisdom, if you want to be wise, you win souls. Now, it's interesting the times that we are blessed to live in. I love talking to my mom and hearing about, as a child, without TV, without all of the necessities and things that we have, they would gather around a couple nights a week and listen to the radio. And the radio shows ended up being cowboys and Indians, but it was all sound effects by people clanging things. It was, anybody remember radio shows? That was all, nobody wanted to raise their hand. <laughs> all they had was radio shows. I remember as a kid with our TV, you know you had to get up and change the channel? Anybody remember that? Get up and you, and you had to adjust the antenna a little bit over so it was reaching Mount Wilson so that you could get the signal, and then sometime around 9 o'clock, it all went fuzzy. There was nothing on, and then I remember my dad came home with a Betamax, which was the size of a coffee table that would record your shows in a grainy form so that you could you know, record and watch them back, and then came VHS tapes, and we all remember all the VHS tapes, and we loved it when CDs came out, because CDs condensed everything, and then we loved it more with streaming. Because I don't have to be home, I can be wherever, and I can stream everything around. And who knows what they're going to come up with in the future. It's always these things that, that change. You know, it's funny today where we used to only have the home phone. And if you needed to call on the freeway driving home, you had to get off. And you had to find a payphone. And you would wipe it all down for about five minutes. And then you would make the phone call if you had enough change. And then you carried a, a card with you so that you had just a call and say, hey, I'm going to be late, which you normally didn't do. Nowadays, we're blessed we have cell phone. And many of us now don't even have a home phone. We don't need it anymore. And how technology has changed its time. I know people today that if they go see a movie, they won't just go sit in any seat. They want to go to the theater that reclines, that you can lay back and have somebody bring you food. Now, some of you, some of you are looking at, yeah, that's this person. Yeah. Here's one thing, though, that doesn't change. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing with technology He's not changing what he said. He's not editing it. He's not going back and erasing it. He is the same, and he's saying the same things. Whoever wins souls is wise. Wisdom is found in the one that wins souls. Now, I did mention this from the beginning. Remember, this verse is in the Old Testament. You couldn't get saved in the Old Testament. So I want to read just a couple verses Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Interesting verse that Daniel mentions, and he says this, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Let me read that again. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens 
And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now remember, Old Testament, the way that you followed God was that you followed the law of Moses. You followed after Moses the law. You kept the law. So you either kept the law or you didn't keep the law. Now remember, he didn't start the law until the book of Exodus. So those that would have been earlier would have just had a reverence and right standing for God, which the Bible lets us know in Genesis 6, there was only one, and it was Noah. He was the only one found righteous. Well, now Moses gets the law from God, and everybody now is supposed to follow the law. Yet all through the Old Testament, I'll use the word breadcrumbs. The Holy Spirit is dropping breadcrumbs, and he's dropping it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when Adam and Eve sin, because he says, there is one coming that will crush his head. That's my translation. You, you might bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. That was a prophetic word about the Messiah, Jesus coming. But we can find those little breadcrumbs all throughout the Old Testament. David would mention about the Messiah. Uh, Micah will mention it. We read in uh, Zechariah, Hosea, and Isaiah being one of the strongest, Isaiah mentions that his name is going to be Mighty Counselor. Mentions several names. Isaiah is also the one that mentions that he's going to die. There's going to be a suffering, Isaiah 53. So there's imagery all throughout the Old Testament of the birth of Jesus, the names of Jesus, the death of Jesus. The donkey is even mentioned in the Old Testament that he'll be riding a donkey. The Old Testament mentions that he'll be born in Bethlehem. So there's all these little breadcrumbs. So the only way that you could eventually get to heaven in the Old Testament was that you were righteous before God, would strive to know God, and in the Old Testament you would make a sacrifice for your sins. Now, there were ten commandments, but... After the Ten Commandments, there were 1,613 things that you had to follow. Man, I broke 319 driving in today. No, you don't. You figure. You know what the law showed us? You could never fulfill it. You could never fulfill the law. It was always to direct us to Jesus, the Messiah. That there was grace through him. That there was a sacrifice of his blood. In fact, it wasn't until he died and rose again that we could become believers. In fact, Romans, I want to put that scripture up. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says this. says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. I believe, but notice it says this. But with the mouth, confession is made for salvation. Old Testament was just righteousness, right standing. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the righteousness not only hits the heart, but the mouth confesses him as Lord over our life. In fact, if we were to even back up a little bit in Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 3 shows us that the Old Testament was only a right standing with God. And it says this, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, 
and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So how were you in right standing in the Old Testament? You believed God. Now we've entered because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. I believe in my heart, but I also confess with my mouth. So let me ask one more question. So if you're in the Old Testament and you were in right standing with God and you died, where did you go? Did you go to heaven? No, you didn't go to heaven. In fact, I'll show you where the Bible says you went. You went to paradise. So in Luke chapter 16, let me turn there. Jesus is going to give an illustration in many of the times we read of these parables. But in this situation, he does use some interesting wording. Luke chapter 16, verse 22. And he gives this illustration of a rich man and of Lazarus that both die. And so when we pick up in verse 22, it says this. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. But the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And he sent Lazarus that he might dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Look verse 26. And besides all this, between us and you... There is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot. For those from there pass to us. So Jesus gives us this example. In fact, it gives us a picture of those that lived righteously, ended up in what was called paradise, those that did not in Hades. And there was a gulf in between so obviously one could see where the other was and wanted to be there. Now the reason I bring this up is because of what Jesus did, and you're going to see one of the important things, because Jesus loved every soul. There's not a person that had lived and died that he did not love, that he did not care for. In fact, he's not willing that any should perish. You know, many of us have, uh, I won't use the word friends, but many of us know people that we would just rather not be around at all. It would be perfectly fine if we found out they were moving to Sri Lanka, right? getting away from us that we would never hear from them before. Jesus isn't like that. I love how Keith Green used that song. He's perfect in every way. He loves everyone. But Jesus, when he died... The Bible says, and I'll go through this kind of quickly. The Bible says that he first descended. Now I want to read this verse to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. As we read Luke 16, we find out there's people in paradise and there's people in Hades. We remember in Luke 23 and the thief on the cross tells Jesus basically that he believes in him and Jesus says these words, today you'll be with me in paradise. 
Well, he had not necessarily confessed Jesus as Lord and couldn't because Jesus hadn't died and, and resurrected from the dead. And so what we see according to the Bible is what we see in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 19. I love this verse. By whom also he, talking about Jesus, went and he preached to the spirits in what? Prison. That's an odd verse, isn't it? He preached to the spirits in prison. Remember, those in paradise, you were basically there. It's not purgatory. In fact, the word paradise means a park-like setting. But there was also Hades. You know, the captives that we read about in the book of Ephesians, the captives were people that died believing in God, who have been waiting and waiting so that somehow, someway, this Messiah that was prophesied about, that was taught about, would be revealed. This Messiah that would save them from their sin, this Messiah that they would see. These souls couldn't be released into heaven until the penalty of their sin had been paid for. God had accepted them as righteous, but their faith in a sacrifice of Jesus, the Messiah, had not taken place yet. It wasn't until the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that they could be released. After Jesus was sacrificed, he went down, and I, here's what I say, he preached himself to them. You and I went through, if you look and you look at Luke 24, Luke 24, when Jesus had raised from the dead, he's walking on the road to Emmaus, and he jumps in a conversation with a couple guys. He begins, the Bible says, he expounded all things, beginning from Moses and on, what all the prophets said about him. And then the Bible says that their eyes were opened, meaning that they now saw who he was, and then the Bible says that he vanished. In fact, their eyes were open in that breaking of bread. So Jesus went down and preached to these ones that didn't know yet that there was a sacrifice of a Messiah. So no longer would you have to go to the temple to make a sacrifice. There was one sacrifice now. There was one Messiah. There was one Jesus that laid his life down so that you could be free. And now you could go into heaven. In fact, we read in Matthew chapter 27 that the saints came up and some of them started walking around the city. Wouldn't that be weird? I just saw Uncle Charlie. He's walking around Arcadia. The craziest thing in the world. Yeah, I saw Aunt Matilda. She was doing the same thing. She's at the Arboretum. Wouldn't that be odd? You would think that that is, it's not even Halloween. No, it's not, nothing going on. But he preached himself to them. I like what, what First Peter said. He went and preached to the spirits in prison. They couldn't go, go anywhere yet. Now they were now taken to heaven. In fact, what we read about those in the Old Testament is, in Hebrews eleven thirty nine, and all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, says, did not receive the promise. Wait, we're supposed to get the promise if we operate in faith. Well, they had the promise that they were in right standing with the Lord. But at death, they had not experienced what God had planned for them until they accepted Jesus as his son. The Old Testament people didn't get a free hall pass. You did good, Charlie. You really tried. 
Okay, so we're going to give you a pass to get you another. They still had to receive that one sacrifice. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, why do I bring all this up? Because he who wins souls is wise. And those that we have an opportunity in these days to lead to Jesus are automatically brought into this new life that they get to walk into. They get to be discipled also by the Lord and by us. But there is a heaven awaiting them, but there's still work to be done here on earth. In fact, I wanted to put up a, a picture for you. This was um, two years ago at Harvest Crusade. I was the center field pastor. I believe this was the second night, and uh, I'm almost at the warning track. Everybody that's come into this picture is coming to accept Jesus, to make a profession of their faith. Many of them, though, have people coming with them. Somebody would actually walk with them. So my heels at this picture on the warning track, and people were still coming. They were still coming, and I wanted to get a quick picture. Actually, it was kind of one of those odd ones, because you kind of go across like that. Before I put my phone away not to be insensitive to people, and they kept coming, and they kept coming. The next day, the stat that went out was that 3,100 and so many people accepted the Lord for the first time, wrote down their name, turned it into the office and so that people could follow up. And I remember when I heard that, here's what I thought. That was scripture worthy. Because Peter's first sermon, he saw 3,000 people accept the Lord. I was able to stand at the warning track at Angel Stadium with a security guy right behind me to make sure I was on the dirt too much. And I got to see 3,000 people. And that's what I thought. That's scripture worthy that we would see that. We read these things in our Bible, but when we get a picture of all of those lives that the Bible says have been translated from death to life, that's why we go back to that word. He who wins souls is wise. So we need to think of ourselves. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, okay, I'm thinking of you right now. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you right now. Think of yourselves as missionaries because you and I are the sent ones. We all live in different cities. We work in different places. We shop in different ones. We entertain in different areas. And God has placed us as missionaries in different locations because he needs us. And I loved we had our men's conference this last year and the speaker gave this thought. He said, you need to think of yourselves as a gardener. You're planting seeds out there. And it always reminds me of that verse that we read in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 that Paul says this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I planted, Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Because here's what we want. God gets all the credit. We don't save a single soul. They believe in Jesus and Jesus alone. That's who they believe in. So I love that I'm a missionary because here's what's first. God was a missionary and pursued you. He was knocking on the door of your heart. He sent people into your life to talk with you. There were probably plenty of people, if we were to ask all around, that were dropping seeds, dropping seeds. Somebody was watering you. Somebody was watering you. 
but God got the increase because you accepted his son as your personal savior. So we need to think as God thought, God the ultimate missionary pursued us and us as missionaries in different locations need to think of ourselves, have I been planting seeds? Because if I believe that, then somebody else is going to water. And when I believe that, God is going to receive and get the increase. You know, as I talked about before, all of these technologies have changed, but Jesus doesn't change. But can I tell you, we're living in changing times. If you watched any of the news this last week, you noticed, as I mentioned the Harvest Festival, that uh, an Irvine group uh, received not only some complaints about the Harvest Crusade banners, supposedly there was a threat made, uh, and it was going to be acted on unless they took the banners down. The banner was a picture of Greg Glory holding his Bible. It had no cross, as he mentioned. And it had no cross, didn't say the Bible. Uh, all it was inviting people to was to a free event. At, and they ended up taking down, I believe it was three to six banners placed in Irvine. If you don't think we're living in persecuted times, then you need to wake your neighbor up. I drive most every day in the 605 freeway, and I see billboards that I wish they'd take down. And I can guarantee you they won't take them down. And I'm not going to call and make a threat. But we need to remember that in these times, it's the relationships that we have. It's the people God brings across our path. It's so important because, as we know this, the one that wins souls is wise. The one that wins souls is wise. Let me close with this verse. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And it says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. Listen to the Lord's heart. Not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God would have to break his word even if he shook heaven and earth today and said, believe in me, there would still be people that would say, that was a big megaphone. That was an alien invasion. They need us. We're the, we're the ones that have been placed certain places to be the gardener, to plant seed, to water, and God gets the increase. And I wanted to mention this, especially too as we close. You know, in just a few weeks, we will have back Bill Weiss, who experienced hell for 23 minutes 23 minutes uh, Michelle and I got to sit with him and his wife after and one of the things that he mentioned to us was and I and I actually asked him to say it again when he first had that vision it was seven years until he told a single person other than his wife do you know most pastors and even probably certain well, they would have had a book out the next morning there would have been a crusade that next week, seven years. You know, I went through and I, and I looked on our, um, our podcast. There's 33 messages that we've added since we had this new one, and it's 20 hours of me. Well, I have a 17-hour flight. Let me see. No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, but if I thought of what I said six weeks ago, I would probably have to go back and look at the title and look at my notes. But let me tell you, I almost remember everything that Bill Wee said almost a year ago. There's not a week that goes by that I don't remember 
some of the things that he said. And I want to encourage you as you're seed planting that you use that as an opportunity to invite somebody. Your seed plant could be just an invite. Hey, come to church with me and I'll, I'll take you to lunch after church. Oh, that sounds great. And they, they get Bill Weiss for an hour. But let me tell you, if I remember that message one year ago, and some of you probably re remember that message, how important it is that we use those opportunities as we're gardening, as we're planting seed, to allow water to hit the seed and God receive the increase. Because the one that wins souls is wise. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. I want to read that amplified verse again. The fruit of the consistently righteous is a tree of life. And he who captures and wins souls for God, he gathers them for eternity. Lord, I pray over all of us today that we would remember that we, we don't live in this life just day by day. You've created us to live with you forever. And we have an opportunity to garden, to plant seeds, to water, to encourage. And Lord, many of us do that in many different ways. We may post things. We may send out emails and texts to people. Let us be people that are intentional in praying to you to do that more intentionally to one in these days. And Lord, as we read even the book of Acts, when persecution arose is when the church exploded. So Father, in the, in the midst of persecution, we have no fear. We just know you're on the move even more. And it shows us in our eyes that time is short. Give us that wisdom today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, You've never confessed him as your savior. You've never said that prayer in Romans 10, 9, and 10. I want to lead you in that prayer delay along with the rest of our congregation. If that's you today, would you just slip your hand up real quick? You've never said that prayer. And if you want to say it again today, or if you want to rededicate your life today, we don't want to go on without giving that opportunity. So let's all pray this prayer out loud and just repeat after me. Ready? Dear God, I believe in Jesus and I believe that he lived and that he died for me. I now accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for bringing me into your family and for forgiving me of all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that.